preach you in Jesus' name this morning. It's a blessing to be here. Um, had an enjoyable time in Alberta and uh, seen a little different part of the world I've never been before. Um, but it's always good to be home. This morning I'm going to preach a sermon that I don't think I've ever preached here. If I have, you can forgive me, I suppose, but I preached it last weekend, and I have, I think I preached it in Pennsylvania once, and uh, I do shortened versions of it at Bible school quite often, for, uh, especially for the young guys in their vehicles, but anyhow. Uh, so turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah 2. <coughs> title this morning is A Proper View of God's Material Gifts to Us. Jeremiah 2, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in a land that was not sown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and the firstfruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. I'll break right here and say, God here is describing Israel. Their relationship, very precious to him. Um, he remembers... how they related to him in the wilderness. He remembers defending them. If they go after you, they're against me, he says. And evil shall come, anybody that defends this love relationship that we have. God says, I remember that. And he's going over this warm thoughts of years ago. Verse 4. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought, in the shadow of death, even a land that no man passeth through, and where, man and where no man dwelt. And I brought you unto a plentiful country, to eat of the fruit thereof, and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land, and made my heritage an abomination. The priests say not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. Now, God is rehearsing. Like, what did I do wrong? He asked him, what did I do wrong? What iniquities have your fathers found in me? Why, what, what did I do wrong that this love relationship isn't here anymore? Uh, 
and people aren't saying, where is God? They aren't seeking me anymore. They're not looking for me. <clears throat> and after I brought you into this really, really good land, um, you defiled it. And the priests aren't saying, where is the Lord? They're not seeking God either. People that handled the word of God, pastors, they're not looking, they're not interested in seeking God. They don't even know me, God says. Not only didn't know me, the pastors transgressed against me. So not only we got a problem in the people, we got leadership issues, major leadership issues here. In fact, so bad that they didn't even prophesy by God, they prophesied by Baal. And they walked after things that are worthless. Now verse 9. Wherefore, I will plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. For pass over the isles of Chittim, and see, and send unto Kedar, and send unto Kedar, and consider diligently, and see if there be such a thing. Verse 11. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which do not, doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid or shocked. Be very desolate or dried up, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He's saying, God is pleading with his people. Why are you giving up your glory? Why are you giving up your glory for something that's not going to get you anywhere? Why aren't you astonished? Why aren't you shocked at how dried up you are? Why have you forsaken your life flow of life which is water and built cisterns to hold something that won't hold why does this seem so normal In our culture today, what defines a real man? What defines, what is our culture's definition of a real man? Just think about that. Or a real woman. What does our culture define as a real man or a real woman? And is it possible for a Christian to trade what God says is a real man 
or a real woman for something less than that? Is it possible to do that? <clears throat> and then the question comes, how much of the world's definition of a real man or a real woman has rubbed off on me? So we live in this fish pool, I mean this fish bowl of America. We live in there, we're swimming among all these other fish, so to speak. How much of that has rubbed off on me? <clears throat> Do I like my culture? Do I like my culture? It says that if you have a good job, you have a beautiful wife, you have expensive house, and you have a new car, then you have arrived. <clears throat> now, between Maranatha Bible School and Lansing, there's a road that I travel a lot. I mean, I'm all, not, I don't work the road. There's, my dad said there's farmers that farm the road. You ever hear that? They farm the road. Every time you see them, they're on the road. They don't have time to do the work at home, but they farm the road. Well, I hope I don't farm the road, so to speak, but <clears throat> uh, between there was this really, really, really nice black Ford pickup hitched to a, not a big, long fifth-wheel camper. Like, I wouldn't want a big, long one. It's too, but, you know, uh, just a medium would be nice. And I'm driving this road, this nice black pickup truck, you know, it's like, wow, this really, really nice camper, perfect size, just for Mary Sue and I, you know, we don't need 27 feet, just 16, you know, that, that would be just right. <coughs> Wouldn't it be nice to drive that black Ford pickup truck with that camper down the highway? That, that that would be nice. I mean, that that uh, really be something I, I would really enjoy doing. <clears throat> and I think probably I would feel a little bit more of a man. I have to confess that if I, I had that opportunity, I, I probably would. You know, I just, I think there's enough carnality in there in me that uh, <clears throat> I would feel at least temporary, that I would have kind of arrived, you know, it's like new truck, new camper. <clears throat> However, if I, lord, if I live within my God-appointed lifestyle, then I'm not going to get that pickup truck and I'm not going to get that camper, unfortunately. Or Fortunately, <clears throat> America has what I call the image makers. Um, you know, if they have cigarette advertisements, everybody's all healthy and pretty women, and you know the cars and. Uh, image, you know, you got to work on your image because 
Uh, if you don't, you won't buy. So they work on the image, the image makers. <clears throat> About 20 years ago, I maybe, well, maybe 30 years ago, I don't know, in excess of 20 years, I heard a term uh, that I never heard before. It was thought-provoking, and the person was referring to the down and out people, and the, he referred to the up and out, the people that you meet at singing at the Sears Tower. You know, to have a gospel track. I'm good. I'm good. Have a gospel track. I you don't even you want to get rid of literature, you don't go to Sears Tower. I mean volumes of literature, you don't go to Sears Tower because you don't get rid of a whole lot. That don't make it worthless going there, by no means stretch imagination. People got the nose in the air uh, pretty much and you don't get much. You go downtown, get get rid of a lot more. And I think I've used this illustration before here, but I will use it here again. I was standing on Jackson, I believe it is. Is that Jackson where the bridge goes over? Where we sing by the subway and where the bridge goes over? Oh, to the to the flute to the festival thing. That's Jackson then? Yeah, I was standing on Jackson taking a break and and I'm looking at a street and way down I see a Rolls Royce coming. So I'm thinking, oh, I haven't seen a Rolls for a long time, so I'm just subconsciously I'm I'm watching this Rolls and he's coming down and the driver's in there. I mean, he's got suit and tie, everything's perfect, and he comes into view, and, and, and you know, I'm watching him. He's just standing there, and, and he's right ahead, looking straight ahead, looking straight ahead, so he gets right by me, and he goes, <laughs> I didn't think he even saw me. He was looking straight ahead, so about 20 feet. Someone said, you can look, but you're not supposed to look as if you're looking. And that's what he was doing. You can look. See, a good peripheral vision, you know. He's, he's going down the road, but he's watching me out here. Taste this right. <clears throat> How would I feel if I was driving the roads? and somebody was watching me, and how would I feel? <clears throat> In Bible school, they have these pickup trucks, and they talk about the chips they put in. You know, they put the chip in the pickup truck. I don't know if it's potato chips or corn chips or whatever, but they, they put chip in it. I know what it is. <clears throat> it makes them go faster. And it's nicer if you have all these dials going up that post, you know, and it tells what fuel pressure and manifold pressure and blow and the turbo pressure and all this stuff, you know. Then you have little dials down there, you can dial them up and adjust all that from the seat. <clears throat> Do 
I believe in power by association. You know, that's born in our blood. Power by association. Um, you better leave me alone or I'll get my big brother and he'll beat you to pulp. Power by association. <clears throat> Pilate believed in power by association. He said to Jesus, don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or I have the power to let you go? And you know what Jesus said, told him? He said, you have no power except what's given you of God. No. Do I believe in manhood by association? <clears throat> Do I believe that I can associate with a piece of metal, plastic, chrome, oil, and antifreeze? And that will make me somebody. God says, aren't you shocked to think about that? Doesn't that shock you? That if you took that metal and antifreeze oil in a different form, okay, you got a chunk of metal here and you got a can of antifreeze, I mean, a jug of antifreeze, a can of oil, and, and a chunk of plastic in its unrefined form, then that would make me a man. But somehow when we refine that, it's supposed to make me a man, but it's raw form of wood. So what's, what's the difference when I refine it when I don't, or when I form it when I don't? Isn't the fallacy of that theory astonishing that I would believe that? That I could actually become a man by sitting in a piece of metal with rubber tires? God says, doesn't that belief system dry up relationship with God? Not that a car is wrong, because a car is made to get us from point A to point B. Nothing wrong with that. We all need that. But doesn't true Christianity shrivel up under the theory that that transportation makes me somebody? Did Jesus talk about this? In Luke 12, starting at verse 13, very common passage of Scripture. Jesus said, Luke 12, 13 says, One of the company said unto him, Master, speaking to my brother, he divided inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. He spake unto him, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and 
build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then shall those things, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So where did a man go wrong? Did he go wrong when he planted the field? I don't think so. We'd be pretty hard on the farmers here if we did. Did he go wrong when he harvested a big crop? I don't think so. Did he go wrong when he built a bigger barn? I doubt it. Where did he go wrong? When he started talking to himself. Right? He's talked to himself instead of talking to God about this thing. Jesus said a man's life, as, as life as Jesus defined it, is not in the abundance of the things which we possess. <clears throat> and I tend to think, personally, as a confession, and probably if I had more, I would be happier. And I don't know if I, I think I've said this before, but I'll repeat. Uh, experience that I had, I was in another state for revival meetings, and I went to Mennonite home. Brothers and sisters, this morning was dirt poor. I mean, dirt poor. I have never seen a Mennonite dirt poor before until I hit that one. They didn't have a car. They didn't have a phone. Uh, the furniture was where the arms were. There was no padding left. I mean, not the foam wasn't bad underneath. I'm talking about we're wearing down onto the one by whatever they made the framework out of the chair. They were dirt poor. But that home, I mean, was happy. Those children were happy as a lark. I know I didn't know no more than got in the front door and sat on the chair and had a lap full of children. And we reading books and they just I mean there was no sadness there. No complaining, no nothing. So it is possible. <clears throat> True Christian man, to be a true Christian man, to be a true Christian woman, as God defines it, requires a new heart and it requires refining of our character, our spiritual character. If we're going to be a man and a woman, as God defines it, it has to be a new heart and refine our spiritual character. Now, the car that you drive may be a very excellent car, um, but
But that excellence is the excellence of a car, not a person. And that excellence cannot be transferred. It's impossible to transfer the excellence of a piece of machinery or a house or anything into the excellence of a person's character. That is impossible. You see, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, would he have been a better man if he would have rode in in a Rolls Royce rather than a donkey? Would he have been? Did Jesus, did that donkey reduce the value of Jesus? No. And if you have a rusty car, does it reduce your value? See, as the elegance of a vehicle cannot increase your personal value, neither can the rustiness of a vehicle decrease your personal value. It's impossible. You see, material possessions are a one-way street. Something smaller cannot make something greater. All right? Man can make a machine, the greater can make the lesser, but the machine can't make a man. They can have computers, I mean, robots today do a lot of things, but a robot can't make a man. Man makes the robot, but the robot can't make the man. God can make man, but man can't make God. Notice. The greater always makes the lesser. The lesser cannot make the greater. Man can make a vehicle or he can, he can build a house. But that cannot make a man. It's impossible. The lesser cannot make the greater. It is impossible. You see, true Christian greatness is the refining of the character into the image of Christ. Now think, the greater must always make the lesser. And our, the perfection of our character cannot come from anything less than us. It is impossible. It must always come from the greater. 
See, that's what Jesus said when he said, rich toward God. And he said that was the rich fool's problem. He was not rich toward God. The rich fool was looking to the lesser to make him more, which is an impossibility, and he missed where the greatness come from, which is the greater, which is God. And Jesus said, tonight, this, tonight your soul is going to be required of you, and then where are you going to end up? And who's going to end up with this lesser? And what are you going to be left with? If your greatness hasn't come from the greater, and that you're looking down here to the lesser, and that lesser is taken away, in the meantime you missed the greater, where are you going to be at? See, the development of our moral character into the image of Jesus Christ, and I repeat, makes a person truly great, and that's the only place that it comes from. Now, isn't that, didn't God give us a tremendous break when he made us that way? That is an in, incredible blessing. Incredible blessing. You and I are made into the image of Jesus Christ, made in such a way that the only way, only way that we can become great is a relationship with our Maker. That's the only way. Isn't that unique? Isn't that incredibly profound? That God made us in such a way that things that it is impossible for things to make us great. The only way to become great is to apply our minds to what God wants us to do. See, I can't relate on a mental level with my rototiller. See, I can't do that. Now, my rototiller and I, we have issues, all right? We have relational issues, but believe me, uh, yeah, it does lots of things that I don't like and I don't understand and whatever. But I can't that rototiller. I can't relate mentally to that rototiller. But I can relate mentally to my God. My rototiller doesn't teach me right and wrong. Can't do that. It's a soulless machine. It can't teach me. Anything. But my God can teach me right and he can teach me wrong. 
See, and if I don't get my right and my wrong from God, and I'm getting it from my things around me, and I'm in trouble, big trouble. I can't relate spiritually to my rototiller. My rototiller can't say, Dennis, you know, God bless you. I, I hope you have a good day, and, and I, I hope uh, things go well for you, and, you know, I hope your relationship with the Lord is, you know, is growing and all this. I, no, I can't do that. See, I have to get that from God, or I have to get that from somebody with a soul. Okay? Other Christians. But I can't get it from my house or my car or the three-hole puncher in my office. Can't do it. So I can't have fellowship with anything except true fellowship except other believers in God. Because sin has broken fellowship. Alright? So I can't have fellowship with a sinner because they have broken the fellowship with God. Hence, we don't have any common ground. So, if I'm going to grow spiritually, if I'm going to grow mentally, if I'm going to grow morally, it has to be from God or from God through his people to me. And I can't get any other way. So, if we're back to and believe in the fact that the only way that I can be a man or woman that God wants me to be is through him then all the rest is eliminated as far as making me a man they are tools that I use they are good tools they are handy tools but always I have to always remember they cannot make me it is impossible I am created in a way for that to happen let's see the battle in my Life and the battle in your life, undoubtedly, because you're human, is that we like our image and we like our toys and we like our status. See, that's the flesh. But the Bible says we need to mortify our flesh. That means our ego, that means our self. The evil that's inherent in us, we need to put that to death. That birthday present that you got from the devil when you was born, that has to be put to death. So, the question that comes to us this morning have I as God's child traded my glory for that which does not profit have I chased after or walked after vanity and have become vain because my view 
of God and material things. Have I forsaken the living waters? Hewed me out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Folks attempting to get our manhood or our womanhood out of things is a broken cistern. I was reading an article and it said, uh, you know, this is when the E85 cars and electric cars and, uh, uh, let me see, Toyota, what's that, uh, P something, what's it, huh? Yeah. Okay, they make this car. And, and I read in the, reading this article, you, you better think through buying this car. Because if you're really one of those back-to-earth people and, you know, save the environment type thing, uh, make sure you think through this because this lady was writing gender doesn't matter, it happened to be a lady, said that she brought one of these bought one of these cars and she thought it was going to be very, very rewarding to drive this car. But she said it's only about a month or so and she said I, I didn't matter if it was a regular car or that car. Notice that? Cistern with a hole. Because her identity with conservation was wrapped up in the car. Notice that. Am I willing to humbly reject my pride, my ego, and the world's value system and focus on Jesus? Am I willing to do that? Do I thank God that he in his love, mercy, and grace created me to be a man or a woman of God? Only one 